Trap Life Tribe, my trap stars, I just want to wish you a week of clarity and productivity in your journey. Coming to you with some show updates for you. Um, as you know, we are chasing 50 episodes for season one of the Trap Life podcast. And so to do this, we have to change our release uh, schedule. So we will actually be releasing a new episode of your favorite podcast, the most eclectic podcast on the planet Earth in the entire world. So, uh, you know, currently we are rolling out new episodes on Monday. I'm sorry, on Sundays and Wednesdays, Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, starting today with this episode with Matthew Moore and Christina Fernandez of Artist Replete, we will actually be rolling out new episodes of the podcast from Sunday to Thursday. So you're getting five new episodes a week of the podcast with uh, Friday and Saturday being the only two off days. And the final date of the podcast is shaping up to be October 20th. So this season finale of the Trep Life podcast will be October 20th. Um, Please continue to share uh, the podcast with everyone. We greatly appreciate it. And without further ado, we are going to get into our dynamic, our tantalizing interview with Artists Replete, an industry disruptor, uh, one of my favorite companies out there. Um, and we're, we're just doing a deep dive with them. Love this interview. Love both of them. Uh, Matthew Moore and Christina Fernandez are great people individually, and together they make a fantastic tandem. And they're just one of my favorite couples. So I know you guys are going to absolutely love this one. And as always peace and prosperity on your journey. Hey, this is Christina Fernandez. I'm the co-founder of Artist Replete, and here's our story that I'm sharing on the Trep Life podcast. Artist Replete empowers artists and creatives everywhere. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, at artistreplete.com. Thanks. Are we live? We're connected? We are live. We are connected. Man, that was a whole ordeal. Yeah, that was but that was a mission. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Trep Life, Trep Stars, we are lucky enough to have Matthew Moore um, blessing us with his presence today. Uh, no, Matt, actually for a while. Um, and he's going to kind of take us through his entrepreneurial journey. Uh, you, He is the founder and owner of Artist Replete. Um, a very innovative uh, company in the artistic space. Uh, but before we get into that, Matt, take us through your like childhood, through like high school, like before you had to be in the real world. What were you like? Yeah, definitely. So um, before I get, I want to mention that. Uh... I created the company uh, with my significant other who's uh, with me right now. Oh, awesome. That is true. Yes. Can, can you say, can you say hi? <laughs> hi. 
<laughs> and she will also be joining us. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna kind of we're gonna tag yes. in this operation. So, but getting back to what you were saying, um, my childhood. Um, basically, I was in Western Massachusetts throughout grammar school, middle school, and then things took a rather harsh transition in high school, and that's when life totally took a a huge turn for me. Um, while kids were thinking about what college to go to, um, what the next step of their life was going to be like, you know, junior, senior year, my parents decided they were going to get a divorce and they were selling the house. So my senior year, there was a for sale sign on the house that I was living in at the time. And, you know, I looked to my father and I was like, okay, what are we going to do now? Where are we going to go? And, you know, he looked back at Uh, the man I am today but he looked back at me and he said you're gonna be 18 and you need to figure it out and didn't like him for a while after that but uh, I understood why he did it and that kind of uh, created a big transition in life so I never got a chance to go to college because I totally bombed senior year barely got through it at all just because there was uh, a lot of I wouldn't say drama but there was just not really a stable environment for me mentally where I wanted to uh, continue in education or even understand I was so frustrated by the way that things were going with my parents and how the house that I had lived all throughout my you know, early days in life is going to be gone and sold. And then that's it. I'm old enough to, to you know, legally take care of myself. 18 and you know best of luck to you sort of vibe and and that's what really created a lot of strength within me that I you know that is still with me today but I, it's moments like that I think everyone needs a wake up call in life to really just uh push themselves to to take the next step in whatever you're trying to pursue so senior year you're facing you're dealing with an unstable home environment. Do you have siblings at all? or I have a brother. He's nine years older than me. Uh, okay. He, he's actually kind of a, a wild man, uh, I guess you could say. He lives in Alaska currently, and he was, uh, he, he, being nine years older, he left home right when he was kind of 18. He didn't necessarily have to, but he chose to uh, go to Montana State University uh, for a little bit. And uh, he didn't really like it so much. So uh, he decided to, to move somewhere more outdoorsy and he went to Alaska. So my brother was pretty much uh, not around when I was uh, in high school, being nine years, right. nine years older than me. So Right. That's a significant age gap. Yeah. So, so, it, so it's kind of like you're the only child, effectively. Yeah, yeah. It definitely felt like that. Um, so I didn't really have really like a shoulder to, to lean on or anything like that besides trying to come to my mother, you know, who was going through a lot of things emotionally and my father who was going through a lot of things emotionally, both had their own stuff going on. So I couldn't really, you know, lean up against them for emotional support as much as I wanted to during that time. Okay. So like, what was your personality like during your high school years or childhood? Uh, definitely like the, the class clown that didn't take things as seriously as I, 
as I should have looking back. I wish I took things a lot more serious, but I was always just trying to just, I guess, find the positive in everything. Um, you know, and so whenever I felt like unhappy or anything, I would joke around. I, I wouldn't take things too serious. So, um, yeah, I definitely think I got like a, the class clown award one year. Maybe it might have been sophomore or something like that. This was in uh, Western Massachusetts this time. So they did those little awards there. Okay. So after high school, what what did your road look like? What was your journey? Yeah. So after high school, I had no place to stay. Didn't know what to do. Moved in. She's uh, since passed by RIP. Um, and Rest in peace. yeah. Um, so she kind of became that emotional support and I moved over with her and moved there with my mother. Also, my mother, uh, decided she's going to take me to the grandma and she was there as well with me. And we kind of just started life almost over again. And my father kind of stepped out of the picture. He, uh, they went through a very, uh, I guess you could say nasty uh, divorce. So there was money involved and it, it tore them both apart um, and it made them resent each other. Um, if I, it, they didn't like each other at all anymore. So it was still a pretty um, hostile environment. Uh, when, when I was making the transition to live with my grandmother. And then it kind of, when we got settled there, it, uh, it, it's became stable a bit, but there was still a lot of pain I could see from her and from me not really knowing what to do. What's the next step. So, um, yeah, I guess the next step that I could describe is I kind of just drifted through the next year or two trying to figure out what I'm good at, what can I do, how can I make money. From there, I uh, started getting into cooking. I got into cooking a little bit in junior year. Okay. And then uh, just during the summer. And this was only because I didn't know what to do with my life. Uh, and I was just following my brother's footsteps. My brother has a restaurant in Alaska now, so. Oh, really? Yeah, my, my, my mom was always a good cook. So there's this cooking kind of, I was just like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to cook. That's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, and happy in Ann Arbor. So I said, I'm going to go to Alaska. I'm going to try and live there with my brother uh, and his wife. And he had, uh,19, 20 years old, didn't hang out in Ann Arbor too long. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe 21, to be honest with you, at 21. I, could, I was legally able to drink then. So, yeah, uh, moved with my brother in Alaska. Let's speed up this so the listeners can, like, really uh, get their uh, – get their their minds racing and have something to sink their teeth into here um yeah so alaska was not a fun place at all it it, it was beautiful and i liked it but it just was not a place for me and it took and i lasted about a year there so alaska yeah and i i thought i'd be able to last longer i thought this is the place for me but it really wasn't um 
couldn't really get along with uh, the people there. They were just everything was just so different. People were into like hunting and and fishing. And I remember trying to ask a girl out to uh, if she wanted to like go on a date or something because I was trying to just like find my way there. Like, okay, maybe I can find someone here. Maybe I can settle down here. And I remember a girl saying, "Well, uh, if you want to go to dinner," and I'm like, "Yeah, let's do dinner. And they go, we can do dinner." And they like, and they looked at me like, "You want to? Are you gonna catch dinner? Are you gonna go hunt for dinner?" And I was like, "Oh, she's got to be kidding me. Are you serious?" And that's, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking in my head. And she wasn't kidding. She was serious. So, yeah, Alaska was tough, and the winters were very, very tough. Like, I don't even know, looking back, how I emotionally got through it. I actually went to a lot of tanning salons over there so I could emotionally cope because during the winters in Alaska, not only is it obviously cold, but it's very dark too. There's, I uh, think, about an hour or two of, of actual daylight during the day and the rest is just all dark. And then it switches polar opposites in the summer. It's light all the time. So here I am trying to find my ways, uh, cooking with my brother. He cooked at a restaurant called Saks Cafe in Anchorage. I believe it's still there. And I was just uh, kind of lost and just trying to just find my way. So eventually it didn't work out for me. And I moved back to Ann Arbor with my grandmother. So now I'm back to square one. Uh, my mom at this time, she's, she's going on dates with, uh, with guys. Uh, my dad, I talked to him here and there a little bit. Um, I said, how you doing? You know, like, is everything all right? How's mom? You know, uh, the, this really little minimal conversation with my with my father. And, you know, looking back, he did this because he just wanted me to be a man. You know, enough of the, you know, like holding holding your hand. I want you to grow up. I want you to, to learn the hard way. I want you to, you know, to, to really push yourself. Uh, and, and that was that was the kind of the whole reasons of his exit. Um, and he's my father. I can't I can't hold grudges or anything for him. So I didn't like that. But I got over it. Uh, so I, I moved back to Ann Arbor and I was cooking at restaurants and just, uh, and living with my grandmother again. And this time I'm maybe 22, 23 area. And I met someone at a restaurant and they just talked about how great Chicago was. Uh, you go, oh, you like food? You should go to Chicago. And then, uh, just so happens. empty room uh in in chicago and i'm like okay i guess i could visit it turned out to be an empty room it was deep in pilsen and we're talking pilsen in maybe 2009 or so right uh so it's it's pink line and getting off on western and then walking left for maybe like a mile and then, then taking uh, a left again for people who know Chicago that well. And it was just not, not a great area, but Hey, I was, it was a room. So I just took it and the people that I, I living there at the time and they were uh, doing their own thing. They kind of kept to themselves. It wasn't really the greatest setup. Uh, I had a blow up mattress and uh, I said mattress. That's weird. Anyway, I had a blow up mat mattress and <laughs> And I would wake up in the morning and it'd be deflated. But again, I was on my own and, and it felt good. And I was making money. Uh, I eventually got a job 
uh, at, at a restaurant there and I was making money for myself. So this is like the first time I just, no family is around and I'm kind of taking care of myself, 23, 24 area. And then uh, I cook for more years uh, and slowly the passion dies. Uh, Chicago is very competitive for cooking. And then I decide uh, I'm maybe going to try something else, another field. And uh, I tried this kind of by uh, just by going out a lot. I went out after work a lot and I had drinks and, and, and yeah, I was. You know, I need to figure out something else. I'm not making that much money. Not that life is all about money or anything like that, but I wanted more out of my life. So I I continued along the path of just searching and then just, I think, uh, noticing the signs. And that's something that's really important to do in your life. I think everyone should recognize the signs. They should they should just notice what's around them, how they feel about the things around them, and and just just recognize like the world around them. I guess you could say it just like I can't stress that enough, can't repeat that enough because we get so used to just doing our normal things in life, you know, that we we don't we don't challenge the way we think or, or how we feel. So I started challenging the way I was thinking, what I was feeling. I was like. Cooking's no good. I keep going out after work. Maybe I just like going out. Maybe I can figure something else out. I made made some friends at a couple clubs that I went to. And this is a very unflattering part of this story, but it has a point for the transition. So I eventually got into the nightclub industry here, which is a lot more profitable. And I could take care of myself more. I wasn't working. Still very competitive, like the culinary industry. Though. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, and it's in, and looking back at it, um, you know, I'm happy that I did it because it, it transitioned me to the world I am today. But it's definitely an unhealthy environment, staying out late, drinking, you know, um, and, and all of that stuff. And I, I met, I believe I met you through that. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and it, it was great networking. It was an unbelievable networking opportunity. So looking back, you know, all the hell, unhealthy things about it, they were there, but I met a lot of great connections and great people, and uh, that kind of led us to talking right now. So, yeah, back to the story, though. Uh, basically, I made a full transition to the nightclub world and I was working, I don't really remember what club I started at because it was just the whole time of my is life. It, a lot of that was a Is blur. it still around? Um, clubs come and go, so. Yeah, yeah. Year in Chicago, I, I like a three-year, five-year span. Yeah, I remember I started going to um, 858 a lot. Um, and this is just because okay. it's like, a, and that's still there. Um, I don't, that was like my first club. I never really like worked there. Um, per, per se, but I, I met people there who knew other people who needed help, basically. And then I believe my first one was Y Bar, and then across the street was Y Bar still there, but then across the street was, it was Bevy, and it's called uh, Light now. They, they they switched the name to Light. So, but I think I met you at Bevy, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. That Bevy, and uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I had a birthday party for my business partner at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, those, yeah. it was good times. I met a lot of good, 
cool people at Bevy. And uh, funny story about that, the the one of the people who was involved in the nightclub, uh, the ownership of the nightclub, turned out to actually be my accountant today. So I have an accountant for my business. Um, oh, that's awesome! And and they they uh, sold their shares to the nightclub, and then you know went went on to like a full accounting company, and, and now uh, her name is uh, Jessica, and she's my uh, she's my accountant. So. So Things I just coming full circle. That's awesome. Yeah, I still use uh, those connections uh, today, kind of just in business and all that. So, so yeah, uh, let's uh, continue the story. Yes, uh, I need to hear every step of the journey. Right, right. It's important. So yeah, and I, I think um, in life itself, you know, there, there's no actual like right path to do anything like. I wish that I had all these ideas that I have now with my with the company that I created back when I was 20 years old back when I like didn't know what was going on I wish that because then like you know I I would have more years of my life to build this and to go this but you kind of just have to just always be happy with the cards that you're dealt no matter how they're dealt you know like you know the the guy who created KFC, I believe he was in his like seventies when he created it. You know, so yeah. So going back to the whole entrepreneurism, there's really no perfect time to start. You just got to recognize again the signs and know how you feel about you know certain things in your life, like what what really drives you. So I continued the nightclub industry for I think maybe I was in the industry for four or five years late 20s I I ended it late 20s and um and I met someone in the uh within the industry who was making art and they needed a someone help someone to help them sell it basically and at the time I was like okay I didn't really know about the art industry I just knew about the industry that I was in it's a nightclub world and for those who don't know about the nightclub world you know they make like a flat rate and then they get commissions, usually 10% on what they sell for alcohol. So you sell a you know, $500 bottle service table, and you get 50 bucks. So it's not a lot, but uh, that's how they operate. I looked into the art industry because this uh, gentleman said he wanted uh, help selling his art. And um, I looked into the industry and I saw 50%. And I was like, that doesn't really seem fair. 50% So what these galleries are taking from these artists. I was like, whoa, this is, this is wild. And I'm like, this is maybe like, maybe I just searched this, this one site or something right. like that. This can't be like a, a like a, like the industry standard. Yeah. I can't, they, they can't be like some standard. So I looked at another one, 50%. And I, and I looked at a, a third one. This one said 60%. And then in my head, I'm like, these artists are getting screwed. That that's literally what, what I started feeling, and uh, and I still feel that today. And I'm like, you know what? I told I went back to the guy, and I said, I'll sell your work uh, for thirty percent. How's that sound? And that that was a a, a middle ground where I I didn't feel too greedy about it. Uh, you know, right. It, you know, he still makes a passing grade if this was a test, you know, but it's a 70. That's like a C, C plus, right? 
And so mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not 50. It's like a failing grade to me, you know? So right. he's making a passing grade and I make. Like you ruined negotiations. You failed at negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I wanted to, because at the end of the day, you know, art, an artist can sell his own work, but, you know, and you need art to sell the work. So in my personal opinion, I just felt the 50 and the 60 was, uh, was greedy that is the industry standard and it's still the industry standard today today and uh that's why i have so much drive within my company but uh i sell some artwork for this person and i have a few art shows um and the reason why i'm saying this person is because i had a falling out uh with this person and we don't really talk today and that's just because because i decided i wanted to build uh a bigger a bigger thing instead of just working kind of for someone and that kind of just created some, some animosity. Um, but that's how that happens in life. And, you know, everyone who I meet um, along the way, no matter the outcome of negative, negative or positive, I'm always just trying and look at the glass half full. So I, I really like the art world. I really like that this industry, it, it felt like it needed changing. And it still does today. And it just, I felt like no one is doing anything about this. Like, and the, there's, there's a lot of people are doing stuff about this, but it's just not enough. It's still an industry standard to take 50%. And then I was like, well, maybe this isn't too bad of a thing, this 50%. And then I would, I remember watching Hebrew Brantley on The Breakfast Club. And I don't know the exact thing he said, but it was something like, you know, you're selling your dreams for, for half of what the, of what they of what they should be and it, it just is like well the artist this major artist is talking about how this is like a messed up system you know so there's got to be a lot of other artists that got to think this is a messed up system and you know a lot of artists are just they're just so used to it that they they don't even want to challenge it it's like you know i'm so used to something being a certain way i don't know of any other way besides it's the that. cost of doing business almost. yeah yeah so yeah they, they don't I, I liken it to like uh the music industry yeah. and how you sign over your royalties and everything yeah you know? to, to every industry there's there's sh- like shady parts to it and you know i'm sure right. there, there's independent labels and there's great things and in the art industry it just seemed like this corporate uh world that had a lot of corruption, in my opinion, it never and no one ever looked at it as corruption. No one ever looked at it as uh, a weird thing um, that is going on to ta- to challenge it to say, "Hey, you know, this is a little strange." And a lot of the galleries and the people behind this uh, this idea of this industry standard, they couldn't do anything about it themselves because they have a space to pay for. They got to pay rent, and some of these places got to pay a lot of rent because they're in great locations. So my business model started forming in my head while I was learning more and more information about the art industry. And I was like, right. okay, what happens if I don't have a space at all and I sell all online and then when I want to do a show, I'll, I'll do a pop-up. I'll go to a certain location. That way, I won't have this, this space to be paying for all the time. I can put that money towards marketing with photography, video, like right. bu- building a website. And I won't have to keep playing, like paying for this one space. And I don't have to keep inviting people back to, to, for a show for this one space. You know, like you can't really change like some white walls that much. Maybe you can read, like tear down something or make it bigger. But 
overall, it's going to be the same address, the, the same location, and it's going to have the same feel. And I thought, what happens if I change location every time I have a show or I pick different areas or I find an area that I like and do a couple shows there and I know and I just things just started blossoming in my head so I created a website went through a couple of developers and created a name artist replete uh I, I how difficult was it for you to build the website that part I made a lot of mistakes and 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 I, I find it's difficult to work with uh, website developers. Oh, yeah. It is It is the worst. Uh, and it, it's only the worst if you just don't know anyone or have any contacts. Um, so, right. so in the beginning stages, like, I spent a fortune on a, a website that should have never really cost me a fortune at all because I was kind of getting screwed, and I didn't know I was getting screwed. And I'm, you know, no offense to any of the people – if they ever listen to this, uh, like they helped me out in the, in the early stages. Uh, but, um, yeah, I got screwed in the beginning. I spent about, I think grand everything changed on it. Cause I, cause my ideas kept changing. So I, I almost wasted just $10,000 right off the bat. And that was like, you know, money I had saved and worked hard on. And I just like almost blew all of it. And, that's one thing. Um, people listen to this like, oh, this guy's an idiot. But that's one thing that you're going to have to be able to swallow if you ever want to have your own business. You're going to have to, you know, if you're not going to be paying tons of money on college, you're going to have to, you know, pay your way through mistakes and the learning process. You know, That trial by fire. Trial yeah, by it's going to cost yeah. you, you know, and, it, and, and it's going to cost you uh, a lot at times in the beginning. And then you're going to get smarter and you're going to get smarter with it. And then you're going to really learn how to manage your money and what costs what and then it's really going to develop so the website uh process was tough i remember the first year like it it didn't really uh have a site that i liked i thought okay like i want users to have a profile and they and they can load up their own thing and then i decided no i don't want to do that because i don't have to like go through quality so much and and you know that will be just complex on the back end so so the the idea uh it kept on evolving and uh, I kind of just, just kept tweaking things here and there until I found a model that I liked. And then uh, um, I went through about two developers in the beginning. Um, The first one, I didn't use any of their stuff. Uh, Second one, I'm still good friends with uh, today. His name is Hassan and um, he helped me out get things uh tweaked to just so i could do some transactions on the site and it would look well and then um i met a guy who i'm just great friends with today his name is jay jaggers and uh a great name by the way jay jaggers jaggers that is a great name sounds like he should be a rock star i know right but uh he really uh helped me take the site to the level that i want to be at and i still like looking at it right now the site will never be finished meaning that i'll keep updating it keep making it better it's never right. going to be good enough because i think if you want to have a successful business you just never can be a time where you just sit back and you're like this is good i think i'll just keep it at this you can have moments you know or weeks or months when when you feel that but overall you need to have the mentality this is not good enough i need to make it better it needs to it can always improve i can learn more things can grow so um and Jaggers and I kind of shared that mentality, and 
he tweaked the website multiple times for my liking. And then I, I learned my, myself. I went on like YouTube and I learned Photoshop tutorials and I learned about SEO and spare time just reading online. Um, you know, I, I don't own a TV or anything like that because that time I used to try and like read on the website or exercise or spend time with my significant other, Christina, who, who getting back to her, I met her through, uh, uh, just going out and, uh, I met her when I had the idea and she kind of motivated me, uh, to do it. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much how it went. And it's my understanding that both of you were models at one When you, when you're coming up with an idea and, and you're spending money, it's an emotional thing. Um, you know, the, have you know co-founders they have other things but uh i didn't really uh have anyone who knew about art in my life or who wanted to build something with me so um it kind of became my partner i told her you know if you want to do this with me uh it's going to be hard to do it alone and she kind of has been the backbone of this operation as it's evolved and i think that uh there's this big stigma in entrepreneurship or in working for yourself or creating your own thing that uh you can't date when you do it or dating is hard when you do it. I think it just all depends on the type of person and they need to be understanding uh, of, of what you're going to try and do for the next, you know, years of your life. Uh, and you need to be understanding that they're going to try and be there for you as much as they, they can, but they, they have, you know, they have their own world as well. So, uh, Christina was amazing to, to be able to live in my world as I just built this thing in the past three years. Kept still building it today and it's still growing and it's growing faster now. And uh, it's been with her support that uh, I've been able to really take it to the next step, you know. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's just kind of how things are right now. But uh, getting back to uh, where the story was, where we left off at with uh, my man Jay Jaggers. He, he put the final touches on, on the website and uh and and the whole idea was born and i searched out artists i went on to social media and i i just messaged different artists and i messaged uh artists that i i liked their work uh and i figured out how am i going to pick an artist how's this whole thing going to work i created my own system um and i don't necessarily want to go go through all my secret sauce but uh, right but uh, I think it's important um, when you have your own business that you have to uh, edit yourself. You have to have your idea, and you have to just make sure your idea is kept under control. So I made sure that everything, if I had a huge idea, I like, would say, okay, that's going to be year three or year four, but I need to do this, this, and this, and this to get there. And I, I always tried to give myself a reality check, and I still do today, you know, because – when you're spending, you know, money on a regular basis and money's not coming in right away, you're going to have this, this feeling like, I don't know, this is not a good idea. But if you have the foresight where you, you say to yourself, if I do this for this long, uh, this amount of time, and then nothing happens, maybe then I can reconsider it. But if I do it for this long, maybe three, four years, and things actually I can visually see them grow, I think you should stick with this. And that is like a realistic goal to have for yourself. People like a, they look at creating a company and they have very sometimes unrealistic goals like 
year two, year three, I'm going to be six figures. Like behind the scenes, is you're going to have to work tons of hours. You're going to probably go through periods of time where there's Uh, uh, a very niche uh, type of people because not the food, you know, everyone really have to love it that much extra for it to work. So that's just kind of been what it's about. But uh, I think I'm going to take a, a short, like maybe 15 second pause and just have a little water. Uh, as you uh, maybe ask the next Welcome to the Trep Life Podcast. We will dive into the immersive worlds of entrepreneurship, empowerment, and empathy with an emphasis of hip-hop culture. All of these concepts will be dissected and connected via a historic lens, so prepare for an engaging transformation. Just a friendly reminder, if you are experiencing value and insight from Trep Life, support the movement by liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. You are instrumental in our impact and influence on the world. Reviews are greatly appreciated because they help the podcast grow. Here at Trep Life, we wish you peace and vision on your journey.